When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and today's episode will be a good one. We're going to talk about transitioning into full-time trading. What kind of salary do you need? What kind of expectations should you have to know, hey, I can do this, or I've got enough money to be able to backstop me in case something doesn't go right? We're going to talk about that in this email from a guy who wants to be named after the greatest trader of our time. None other than the one and only Nancy Pelosi. So Nancy writes, hey, Ryan, my name is Nancy. I know that you like to give good redneck names, but could you name me after the greatest trader of all time, Nancy Pelosi? If not, I understand. No, we were definitely going with Nancy, buddy. Like everyone else, I've been listening to your podcast for quite some time, and now I am a member of the trading block. A little background is that I'm in my mid-20s and have been trading since I was 18. I have had a lot of ups and downs in my trading career, and I made a lot of mistakes. My first big one was my second trade I ever made, which was on a penny stock that went to the moon. And he puts, went to the moon in quotes. I ended up being up a little over $16,000 and kept holding. Man, I would love to know what that stock was. (laughs) Only to have the moon come crashing down to earth and losing all the profits and then some. I had that happen to me a couple more times before I took a step back and started doing more research and making smarter decisions, mostly thanks to your podcast. I have about 10 more years in my current career field before I move on to something else. And being a full-time, part-time trader has always been of interest to me. My question is as speaker of the house no just kidding he did not write that my my question is at which point did you believe that you had enough capital and experience slash confidence built up to sustain your current and future lifestyle and take on trading full-time now i'm not asking for any specific numbers but maybe in terms of a yearly salary if it applies big thanks for all the information that you've given me through your podcast it's helped me tremendously sincerely Nancy. Well, Nancy, we're going to answer your question. But first off, what am I drinking? I've got Baker's number seven. I was in ABC the other day and I found some Wellers there. That was pretty cool because it's only like 20 something dollars a bottle for Wellers. And Wellers is pretty tasty. One of my wife's favorites, by the way. But then this guy says, hey, we got this Baker seven. It lasts for like a day. It's from the Jim Beam Distillery, 107 proof, which makes it about 53 and a half percent alcohol. People love this stuff. So I said, okay, it's about $60. I mean, it's kind of getting up there. What the heck? I'll do it. So I bought it. Beautiful bottle. Really cool bottle. Color on this thing looks pretty good. Just kind of like a nice solid brown color. Like a grizzly brown color. To the nose, it smells like a little bit like a leather jacket kind of. I mean, nice little leather smell. I can also smell some serious butterscotch with this thing. And then to the taste... 
the taste has a nice like peppery flavor. It's got some nutmeg. It's not bad. And then on the finish, it's very complimentary to the rest of the flavors that you just like tasted and smelled. You, you get a little bit of a spice. It's very flavorful. And again, you, you kind of like pick up on some of those like leathery type notes. So not a bad bourbon at all. I mean, I feel like $60 isn't bad for the bourbon. It's justified. I give it an 8.1. Really a good flavor overall. I like it. Would I consider it an everyday sipper? We haven't been talking about everyday sippers. Uh, probably not at the $60 mark. I feel like that could start running up a bill. For a weekend sipper, absolutely. Weekend sipper is the perfect weekend sipper, man. Friday night, you had a couple of good trades throughout the week. Yeah, let's sip on some Baker 7. Special occasions, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's, it's pretty good for a special occasion as well to pop the cork on. So going through the email, and as you guys know, I like to dissect some of the stuff that's not really the question in the email just to go over that as well because sometimes there's some hidden gems in these emails that y'all write. First one from Nancy is the fact that he was up $16,000 on a trade, and it was his second trade. Man, I never was up no $16,000 on a second trade or even a third or probably my first hundred. Jeez. So the fact that he was up $16,000 on this trade and he didn't take profits, that's mind-blowing to me. But that's what can happen oftentimes, too, when you start to get you know into the mindset of something going to the moon and to think that, hey, this thing's going to make me super rich. I'm already up 16000 Who knows? What else might happen? I mean, I had a trade just yesterday. I was up 7 8% on SSO. You know, I was playing the market bounce when it turned around following the CPI report. And man, I was thinking, man, this is a really good start to this trade, up 8%. I didn't want to take any profits on that trade. I was like, heck no. You know, but that's what I'm thinking, right? Because we all want to act like we don't have emotions and we don't have anything that we're affected by from a personality standpoint, but we do. We all do. If you're listening to this podcast, I can assure you, you do. But it's about willing to recognize what can affect our decision-making and not letting it affect our decision-making. So with SSO, like I said, I was up like 8%. Starts to come back down a little bit. Oh, yeah, it's intraday pullback or whatever. It'll probably bounce back. And it did. But I didn't want to take any profits, but I knew it was a prudent thing. So I took like a quarter off the table, and then I took another 12% off the table. And by the end of the day, I had essentially took a quarter off at like 6%. I took a another 12% off at 7% to lock in some gains because as good as it feels when you're up a lot, you can't say with any kind of certainty that it's going to continue in that direction. Sometimes it does, but oftentimes it doesn't. And that's such a disappointment when that happens. So the next day the market opens higher and I'm thinking, oh man, this ETF is just continuing to rock. And then within minutes, it just gave up completely all the gains. And so I ended up taking the last two thirds out for like a 4% profit, which is fine. I came away with almost 5% in profits on the overall trade, did fine. But was there a tendency to want to say, hey, man, I was up 8% on this one. I'm going to let it ride out until I can get my 8% back. Yeah, there always is. But that's the difference between really like a lot of your successful traders and non-successful traders is that they let the past, the, the basically the sunk costs, the sunk decisions, the things that you can't do anything about at this point affect their future decisions, which they can do something about. So yeah, would I have liked to have gotten the trade out at 8%? 100% yes. Was making 5% on the trade bad? No, 5% is great. Compared to 8%, it's not as good. And yeah, I would like to have the 8% that I could have had, but I stayed disciplined in my trades. I didn't let that pullback that's already happened affect my future decisions. I could see that bounce attempts were not doing a very good job of holding, so I went ahead and got out, took the 5%. I'm happy about that 5%. It's a good trade. A lot of times too, though, when you're in the trades, 
you don't see it that way. It's kind of hurting because even though you haven't booked those gains, it feels like that they were yours at one point, which is kind of the exact opposite with losses because we always say, oh, you haven't taken a loss unless you sell. No, that, that's not always true. I mean, sometimes those losses don't come back. A lot of times they don't come back. But Nancy here, up $16,000, second trade ever. You'd think that would be a reason to start taking some profits. Maybe he takes like a third off the table at 16000 lets the rest ride, and then it doesn't go any higher. It starts to come back down again. And then, okay, he takes another third off at 12000 He takes another third off and closes the position at 8000 He lost half the gains on the last third of a trade. Okay, so what is he looking at now? He's looking at about $12,000 in gains. Now, how would the email present day look? He's like, man, I had a really good trade back in the day. I was up 16000 but instead of risking all those profits, I took a little bit off the table and it came back down. I took another third, and when it came back down to eight third, I closed out the position. But I still made $12,000 on it. It was an amazing trade, one of my best trades ever. Totally different story at that point. Because now what he's writing me about is I was up $16,000, I lost it all, and then some. But why from 16 to 15 to 14 to 13 to 12, 11, all the way down to zero? Why is he not taking profits? Why is he not saying, hey, something's wrong with this trade? Better to take a little bit off the table just to make sure that I come away with something, make sure that the trade was still worth my time. Why not do that? Because he remembers where he was at before, and he's like, I got to make that money back. So that wasn't the question that Nancy asked me about, but I just see that in so many different traders that it does kind of drive me nuts. I've done it before in my career, especially early on. I I think I told you guys a story one time where I was up 60% on a stock because I didn't even know that there was news pending on the stock. This was like one of my first trades that I ever made, and I lost it all and then some as well. I wasn't up $16,000. I was maybe up like 1000 or something. But that was early in my trading career. I thought I knew what I was doing. And then with Nancy, this happened a few more times. I don't know if he was up at actually 16000 like he was before, but he said he was definitely up some, and then he lost those profits as well. So it was a hard habit for this person to break. But the good thing is, is that he's taken a step back, right? So he's he's been doing this. He said he's in his mid-20s, so let's say he's 25 years old. He started when he was 18, so he has about seven years of experience. That's good. I mean, that means he's seen a lot of things since 2015 when he first started trading. And 2022 now, he's got about seven years experience. That means he's seen like the crazy sideways chop of 2015. He saw the 2018 sell-off. He saw the sell-off in 2020. Now he's seeing this one too, and he's seeing everything in between from a bull market standpoint. So he's getting the experience, but it's got to make be applicable to his trading account. And probably one of the best things that he has going for him is that he has about 10 more years before he has to make a decision about whether or not he wants to go into a full-time training so he can prepare. And going into full-time trading, it's not like a all-or-nothing kind of a thing. It's not a zero-sum game where it's only trading. You can only make money as a full-time trader by trading. Especially as swing traders, there's plenty of downtime that you would have normally without like a side gig. You'll be like watching TV probably because not every day you trade. I think so far this month, I've made two trades. It's not that I want to make only two trades. I would like to make 30 or 40 trades, profitable ones, of course. But if the market conditions aren't warranting it, then you're not making any trades and you're not having to monitor anything. It can be kind of dull. So it's good, especially in the case of Nancy here, to, you know, when you're looking to transition into the next phase of your life is to be thinking about, okay, what are some things that I could do in conjunction with trading? You know, I I do the podcast for myself. And that's one of the things that I do as part of my full-time trading. You know, I'm, I'm a full-time trader, but I also do this podcast. I also do share planner and I really enjoy those things. And the main reason why is because if I did not have these things in my life, there would be a lot of sitting and twirling my thumb. So it's important to have a side gig to have something to keep you interested. And it doesn't have to be financial related like what I do. It can be 
sewing. It can be, I don't know, there's just tons of things. You could be doing a podcast on some other kind of a subject if you wanted to. I mean, I think podcasting, for instance, is really at the early stages still, kind of like what YouTube was like in you know the early 2000s. And a lot of people are just now starting to discover it. So if you have an area of expertise or something that you feel very good about talking about and you can offer some knowledge and wisdom, podcasting is where it's at. And as far as like how much capital should you have in order to become a full-time trader, I don't know if there's ever really a good amount that you'll ever feel comfortable with because there's risk involved in becoming a full-time trader. You'll never get to the point to where when you're on the brink of leaving your current career field and becoming a full-time trader to where you'll say, okay, I feel good about this. I'm going to go ahead and leave my job and become a full-time trader, and I'm not going to worry about anything because I'll be making the money. No, it's never going to feel that way. There will feel like a lot of risk. It'll feel like it's not enough. I remember when I quit. I really thought I knew what I was doing back then, and probably I didn't completely understand what it was that I was entering into, mainly because, one, I didn't really have anybody guiding me, telling me, hey, yeah, you know, by doing X, Y, and Z, you'll be fine as a full-time trader felt like I was a pretty good trader at the time and I could sustain myself. And since then I have. But the challenges that came up along the way, things that I didn't expect to happen that happened. For instance, I went through a divorce. You know how costly a freaking divorce is? Yeah, I didn't even see it coming. But that's one of those things that happen that you don't foresee. So to be able to say, yeah, you're going to become a full-time trader and you know you have X amount of dollars and you have nothing to worry about, it's really not possible. Now, should there be a certain amount of money that you at least try to save up for you. I mean, I think from a full-time trading standpoint, it's good to have like a, probably a couple of years worth of salary saved up because what if you go through a, a bad year? What if you go through a year where it's just very difficult? 2015 was a very difficult year of trading. It was just sideways the whole time. And it was very difficult for me to be able to make a lot of money out of the market. That's also why it's kind of good to have a side hustle is because it can help supplement those weeks where you don't do too good, those months where you don't do too good. It's not like if you have a side hustle or if you have something on the side that you're working on that brings in money that somehow you're less of a trader for that. And in case of Nancy here, has 10 years before the next career move. Man, that's, that's a great time to not only become good at as a trader, but good at something else too, to where, hey, maybe I can do some carpentry at the house. I have all this space in the garage and maybe I can, you know, start making some tables and sell some furniture on the side. That would be pretty cool, right? Because there is downtimes as a swing trader. Now, day trading, a lot of people want to become a day trader. Well, for one, that requires a lot of laser focus. I mean, you're looking at a screen for about six and a half hours. You're probably peeing in a bottle and you're not getting much of a break in between them. For me, that's probably not the best case. I like to get up. I like to move around a little bit, take my eyes off the screen some when I know I don't have to necessarily be looking at the screens at that very moment. But day trading, there's like this need to have to trade because it's day trading. You've got to find something every day to trade. That's typically the case. If there's a move, you feel compelled to be in it. Swing trading, if there's a move, you don't necessarily have to jump in on that move. There's been plenty of moves just this month alone that I have not been a part of. And I've been glad that I haven't been a part of it. But as day traders, you feel that you have to take a move Every day, if there's a stock that's running hot, you got to get into that stock. And day trading focuses more, I feel like, on the quantity of trades that you're making and hoping that the net sum is profitable rather than the quality. A lot of the trades that most of your day traders take are not that good. There's this Facebook group that I'm a part of. I don't even know how I became a part of it. I just happened to stumble across it. And it's on the like the leveraged ETFs. Man, people are blowing up their account every day. And the things that they say are absolutely stupid. And if I try to like say something to correct them on it, blows me off, acting like I have no idea what the heck I'm talking about. But I get it. You know, that person's been trading for six months. I've only been doing it for 30 years. But these people, 
they feel the need to trade. They feel like they need to make every move. They have to have these feelings when it comes to their trading too. I think a lot of times traders go with feelings. Oh, I think we'll reverse. I feel like we're going to fade at the end of the day. And then it doesn't. Intraday price action is much less reliable than daily price movement. And swing trading can take much more advantage of a daily chart candle than a day trader can because you can hold the trades for multiple days. Whereas a day trader really has to rely on like one and five minute charts. It's even hard to follow like a 30 minute or an hourly candle for a day trader. And so the more zoomed in you go on the candles where you're trading like one and five minute candles instead of daily or weekly candles, the less reliable those candles are going to be. There's much more noise in the price action. And for the most part, I've rarely come across good day traders. I've come across good swing traders, but rarely, rarely do I come across a good day trader. I can't even really name any. That's how few and far between that they are. So to me, if you're going to become a day trader, become a good swing trader at first. And you might find that as a good swing trader, you have no interest in becoming a day trader. But a lot of people look at the day trading and they say, well, I can day trade and make $200 a day and I'll be fine. Swing trading, you don't know if it's going to take a couple of weeks or a couple of days to maybe get you know, two or 300 bucks off of that trade. But it's better to make that one trade, get a $300 in profits off of that one trade than to day trade for two weeks in a row and have a $100 deficit, isn't not? And don't think that you can become a day trader because you're smarter than the market or that you can outthink the market or that you can be a logical person that can get you through, you know, tough environments. Market really penalizes smarts. I'm telling you, it does. I think some of the worst traders are typically your doctors and your lawyers and your scientists. They're just not that good. And the reason why is because they're so smart, they think that they can outsmart the market and the market usually destroys them for that. The other thing too, you know, when you become a full-time trader is that patience becomes even more critical. For me as a full-time trader, I can't afford to mess up because this is my job. I'm messing up my career if I mess up at my trading. As a part-time trader, yeah, you can always backfill it with a paycheck and, and start all over again. A lot of people do that. But one of the key ingredients as a swing trader is patience. I've been harping on that a lot over the last few podcasts. Patience pays. And as day traders, you almost feel like you need instant results. Like you have to trade that day no matter what the market's doing. And you get whiplashed all over the place. And if you had just shown a little bit of patience and said, hey, tape's not that friendly today. I'm going to go ahead and step out. You'd be much better. There's not a need to act right away with swing trading. Day trading, there is. And that can really come back to hurt most traders. But one of the things that does help traders is swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Let me tell you about swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You're going to get all my market research each and every day. Every day, you're going to get videos sent to you. It's going to include updates on the market. It's going to include updates on all your big tech stocks, plus the stocks that I'm looking at with stocks on the radar or potential trade setups, plus my weekly watch list. Guys, this is some good, solid stuff. Check it out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com, and you're supporting this podcast as a result. Now, in the end, what I think is important is that as traders, we just don't go you know, transitioning from a career field to full-time trading all willy-nilly. It is hard. It's difficult. There's going to be things that you encounter that you never expected. I don't think it's good to go full-time into day trading before you become an expert trader at swing trading. And like I said, by the time you become really good at swing trading, you're probably going to be like, eh, I don't know if I really care about becoming a day trader. I'm doing fine at swing trading. And remember, guys, you don't have to be just trading and only trading. There's nothing wrong with having a side hustle. Nobody really talks about that because they feel like it's like your badge of honor if that's the only thing you do is being a full-time trader. And it's not. There's plenty of time as a swing trader to have a side hustle. Just make it conducive to your trading. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would encourage you to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. 
It helps me out quite a bit and continues to allow me to provide you with these great episodes each and every week. I usually try to do two a week. And keep supporting swing trading the stock market.com and send me your emails, Ryan at shareplanner.com. Man, I read your questions just like I did from Nancy here, and I try to make an episode out of every one of them. So keep them coming. Thank you guys, and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.